0: welcome thank you (laughs) all right are we
1: gonna do this every other word is that i don't
0: know it's just one of those one of those days you know didn't sleep well last night friday night but i still didn't sleep well so i'm a little a little a little tired um Welcome to the Read This, Watch That podcast. I am Anthony. I am not Anthony. I am Dale. We're going to talk a little Christmas stuff today, right? Yes. It is the season. It is the season. It it is actually the season, unlike last year when we did our Christmas episode in mid-November, I think, so we could stay on top of things. But it is now December 10th. We're in the thick of it, and we're going to talk... A Christmas Carol, 43 Charles Dickens novella. Uh, And uh, maybe just talk about a couple of the adaptations as well. Yeah. So Chuck Dickens, he was born in 1812, died in 1870, fairly young, even, even for the time he was, he was only 58 when he passed away, but he left quite a legacy of novels in particular Everything from Oliver Twist, uh, let's see, David Copperfield, Bleak House, Hard Times, Little Door, A Tale of Two Cities, my personal favorite, Great Expectations, Our Mutual Friend, uh, The Mystery of Edwin Drood, which was left unfinished when he died. However, you know, despite all that, despite David Copperfield, say, um, or Oliver Twist. I think maybe his biggest legacy is this 80 page novella entitled The Christmas Carol it's gotta it, be yeah it's gotta be I agree it is really you know is is there anybody who like Scrooge um, a, as a character or, or as a descriptor has really seeped into the public consciousness? And I think there's people out there who have never read the story, or never seen any really, really seen any of the adaptations. They still know the story.
1: Yeah, they they know
0: about the ghosts. They know about his his redemption. They know they about know, Tiny Tim. Yes, Scrooge is is uh you know
1: a, a miserly figure that it's in the language, just redeemed. like Dickensian is in the language. Scrooge is in the language, right? You call people a Scrooge, right? And, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I wish the, I wish
0: Dickensian wasn't in the language. It's kind of annoying,
1: but. So this this
0: this was written began in October of 1843, and it was published on December 19th, 1843. Sold out in six days, wow. at a cost of five shillings, which at the present value is twenty six pounds, which uh, was a hefty sum back then. But he had he had done it up right. He had paid apparently paid. Because his publisher was in trouble, he apparently paid up front for the publication and then obtained, you know, rights to, to some of the profits. So it was done up in, you know, leather-bound editions. There were 6,000 copies. They were gone in six days. Wow. And within a year, they had printed 13 editions. And that doesn't even include the, the pirated versions where uh, – He had to commence some lawsuits to keep people from from publishing, stealing his work. Nothing's there's nothing new under the sun, right? They were violating copyright back then. Yeah. What a surprise. Then the novella is divided into five. He calls them staves. And I the only time I ever heard that word was in uh, reference to Barrels. Ah, the planks uh, in the planks in the barrels are called staves until I did a little research and found out one of the meanings is a stanza
1: of a poem did you know that um, no um, and perhaps through my misunderstanding of the English language I, when I saw that again reading through this the, the most recently I was thinking of vampires I don't know why Is there a, is there a, is stave also a word for a wooden? um, Well, it's it's a a
0: vertical wooden plank.
1: It is. Yeah. In a a
0: building. So you're thinking of a stake stake. Yes. I was thinking of a stake. Yes.
1: A wooden post or plank in a building or other structure. Yeah. So you pull off a stave and you use it as a stake. I suppose one could do that if there were
0: vampires in this, in this story. So, this thing that could
1: make it any better.
0: Yeah. This is a
1: story about...
0: A story of Ebenezer Scrooge, this miserly businessman in London. And it's his, his redemption story. He's just a miserable, miserable, miserly SOB. Not a lot of... There's a lot of characters in this book, but most of them don't run through the entirety of the book. No. <clears throat> Excuse me. You basically have Eb, four ghosts, Bob Cratchit and his family, and then you have figures like Fezziwig and Belle, his fiance at one point, Fred, his nephew. You know, a few other people, but not a lot of. Really, he's the only. He he, he and Bob are probably the only characters that are in the vast majority of the of the work yeah um so you've read this before oh yes
1: yes uh when's the last time you read it before or did you reread it for this today i i re i reread it for this i okay I, I, and i'll say i i reread most of it and i also did other things which we will talk about um but yeah, I, I reread most of it. I kind of went back to a couple of places that I wanted to re-familiarize myself with. Um, it is something that um, I, I read a little bit. I can't remember how old I was when I first read it. I wasn't young. Um, I was definitely an adult. Um, and uh, I really was impressed with it when I read it. How, I mean, it's Dickens, so it is well-written. The characters are well-drawn. There's lots of lovely witticism uh, throughout you know i mean he's a funny writer and um i really enjoyed it and since then i've reread it and reread it again because it's i just find it a, a really nice thing to do um I, I really enjoy it and uh so i try to pick it up every once in a while um kind of like i do with some short stories um, and so it is a, it's at this point a nove- as a novella, it is familiar to me.
0: Yeah. I hadn't read it in decades. I, I read it probably when I was in college, enjoyed it. But so this was kind of really, uh, might as well have been reading it for the first time. Hmm. It had been that, that I, I, I knew the, the basics of the story, obviously, but <clears throat> excuse me in terms of style and, and things of that sort details I completely forgotten I know the story of course I, I actually I think when we talked about Christmas movies last year I said I'll, I'll watch just about any adaptation or version of of Scrooge or Christmas Carol but it was nice to kind of revisit this it's a quick read yeah. and I often find writings from 1865 to 1890 a little tedious. So I approached this with, it's not that I don't like the, the the kind of the story and the plots, but the writing style is very different. It can, it can be very, uh, what's the word? Dickensian. It could be Dickensian. It could <laughs> be, I like to say it's thick, you know, there's not, yeah. There might be yeah. page after page with no dialogue. They describe right. the fields, the moors, and, and the village, and things like that. And it just gets a little tiresome. Sometimes the colloquialisms you don't get. But yeah, this is even older than the works I sometimes find slightly ponderous. And it's it's a quick, breezy read, basically. I was really impressed on at how almost modern it felt. Yes.
1: Yes, I, it that's was a great way to describe it uh, as almost modern, yeah, yeah. Was there anything on rereading it that that jumped out to you? Uh, just just how witty Dickens is. It I, is I a, just, there's some funny stuff in it 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 just it it's it's weird how that kind of frequently surprises me, but it does. It's just how witty of a writer Dickens was. Um I just every time I read Dickens, I have to say, I'm, I'm just more impressed. You know, for, for Christmas, there's a, a number of
0: Christmas stories. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. You know, we've talked about that before. That mm-hmm. really, really popular. There was times when that seemed to be on nonstop around Christmas time. A modern classic that seems to be taking the place of It's a Wonderful Life is a Christmas story. Mhm. A film from the from the nineteen eighties. A lot of people will point to that as their favorite favorite Christmas story. The C- Frank Frank uh, Capra "It's a Wonderful Life" of course always comes up on lists. But is this this is the Babe Ruth of Christmas stories, right? It's got to be, right? It's got to be. It's it's. it's I, I don't. I don't so see influential how I... and seeped into the 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 culture. Exactly it really has to be and he's such a you know i always thought it's it's interesting there are in my mind there are three three literary characters in the western world that either through even a silhouette or just a portrait most people will be able to say who they are they're able to tell you something about them and that is true even if they've never read the stories and all three characters come from writers who at least at, at certain points in time were not anything too special. Dickens was not considered all that special by literary critics until the, the 20th century. He, he was, he was considered a good writer, uh, mostly successful, but he was, considered upper tier until decades after his death Bible in his work and they started looking at it uh, you know looking at it from a social commentary standpoint mm-hmm. and then how the characters were drawn and how memorable the characters were. So he you know he was not an instance a lister. but Scrooge I think, is one of those characters. The other two characters I think, are Dracula and Sherlock Holmes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You can, you can even see a silhouette of Sherlock Holmes with the deer stalker in the pipe, and people know who it is, even if they've never read a story or seen a movie. Maybe, maybe Ahab as well. <laughs> so many people know Ahab, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, Stoker and Doyle are not considered, you know, literary artists yeah. on the, uh, like, say conrad dickens thackeray elliot um uh, james or people like that but it's funny they have created three characters that have just sunk into the pop culture um i don't think uh we're not gonna go through the plot right i mean
1: no, doesn't, not really doesn't not well, everybody
0: know the plot i mean, is it <laughs> is there a person uh, is, is is there is there a conscious person alive who can't tell you this basic story again, even though they have never read it or seen it
1: <laughs> yeah, right i i yeah, yeah i I mean, I think it's got to be. If you don't know it, you've, you're living under a rock. Yeah. If you don't know yeah. it, if, if,
0: if you don't know this story, you can't figure out how to listen to this podcast. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. and I didn't do a lot of prep for this. So, yeah. Tell me what, what's your, uh, how do you want to do this? Do you want to talk about certain scenes? Do you want to talk about, you know, what you, what you like overall
1: about this? Do you want to focus in on a certain elements? Yeah, let's, um, what I suggest we do is let's talk about the adaptations that you and I both independently um, you know, decided to look at um, because I think in looking at the adaptations, you might kind of pull out some elements of the story that we want to focus on because you know, the adaptations are you know, usually adaptations, meaning they're not just the story in whatever new form it is you know, they do something a little bit different or there's something kind of unique about it that, um, that we might want to talk about. And I think that might be just a good way to get into the, um, get into the story.
0: All right. Um, do you have an adaptation you want to
1: talk about first? Uh, yeah. I, uh, I, I, I looked at two and uh, I went back in time with respect to both of mine. The first one, I looked at was the 1913 <laughs> silent movie called *Scrooge*, um, and a couple of things about uh, about this uh, this film. It was the first, um, I think, filmed adaptation. Um, it may be the first surviving filmed adaptation. I'm not I'm not sure, but um, no matter what, it was definitely very early. But 18, you know, th- think about it you know 1913 right so you're into the new into the new century um but it's it's kind of like if someone today were to make east of eden right or or actually even something more recent than that so that's the kind of time period we're talking about, right? I mean, Dickens at that point, you know, was had been dead for a while, but it wasn't ancient history, right? As as it is kind of to us. It was, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago when the thing was 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 put down. So I fa- I found that interesting and and one of the reasons I picked that one too is that the the person who starred in it, number 1, also starred in a 1935 movie right. called yeah. Sc- Scrooge. But he Seymour Hicks. Seymour Hicks, yes. But he also he played Scrooge on the stage, reputedly like thousands of times. So when he made that movie, I, I at least in England, um, I think everybody knew him as Scrooge. I mean, he, you know, it was it was Scrooge. Um, uh, so it's it was this a kind little of, bit like the
0: Bella Lugosi playing dracula on stage and then getting the role in, in the 1931 movie
1: exactly i mean it, it's that kind of thing so at the so you're you're seeing kind of you know the guy who is scrooge playing scrooge right in this new um in this new medium um quick little just quick little side about seymour hicks he um he actually uh, he made his own movie his first first movie that he made and, and had to fire the director, and um, gave uh, Alfred Hitchcock his first opportunity to direct an entire film. No and kidding. It, a movie called Always Tell Your Wife. Yes, back in the uh, I think in the twenties, but I'm not sure. So he had an eye for talent. And he clearly did. <laughs> um, and it was interesting too when you when you you know look up the movie and you take a look at um, you know the actors who were in it. One of them. Um, that was in it, um, you know, they were Wh- all stage actors. Thirteen, The 1913 one, yeah. Okay. Th- right. it, when, you, when you take a look at, this, like, one of the actors in it um, is a guy who um, had been on the stage since, since the Victorian era. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know,
0: well, this... <laughs> in all fairness, the Victorian era was only, uh, had only been gone for
1: 13 years. Uh, no, a little bit longer than that. Because most of them were Edwardians actors and um did you, did you watch that th- is it is it on youtube it's on youtube yes you can go did, and you can did find you it watch on YouTube. it i did i watched the whole thing beginning how, to end how long was it it was like 45 minutes or so oh was it really
0: yeah yeah because i know some of those uh, i think the is it the 19 there's like a 1910 version that's that's about or or slightly older version oh 1910 is like 13 minutes long
1: Yes. No, that's right. That's why I didn't watch that earlier one. It's because it was just, I kind of said, I was like, it's too short. That's just not going to be, because I kind of figured, okay, this one's, you know, it's a commitment and they're going to, they're going to do something. So, yeah, so that's the, that's the one I watched and I'll, and I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you some spoilers in case you want to go out and, and watch it. But um, so number one, not a fan. not a fan of Seymour Hicks version of Scrooge and not a fan of the movie and kind of the way, the, the way they did it. I mean, I think a lot of those early silent pictures is, is an awful lot of overacting, right? I mean, just over the top, Probably it's because still, it's still stage acting. It's still stage acting, and it's and it's and it's that plus because you know they're not speaking, and so their acting has to come through their you know body movements, and and it's just something I'm not. You know, personally, I'm not a, a huge fan fan of. But I'm with you. I, I'm not a I, the silence. Silence don't really. I, I just. They're, they're, the, it, the only the only way it works is really this to me is the slapstick stuff like Buster Keaton, um, Charlie Chaplin, uh, those movies are really remarkable, and it's because it's all physical. The whole point of it is the physical humor, right? Or the or the the physical whatever you know happens to be going on, and and so it works, right? It, it's, a, it, it's a it's a it's um, a you know category designed for the medium in a, in a lot of ways so i that that to me always always worked and i do enjoy those but 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 not the dramas so but in any event i i didn't like the rendition of scrooge um it, it was interesting he was almost crazy is kind of how he he looked in fact in the opening there's this kind of introductory kind of set of descriptors of oh you know christmas carol is this wonderful thing and everybody knows it and it's great and you know and then it does some descriptions of scrooge and there's a pic there's a film of Hicks, you know as scrooge there's just it's just him and he's just staring kind of at the camera and looking a little bit left and right and his hair is all crazy and his clothes are like threadbare and he looks insane they look like the way you describe them is
0: it looked like that, you know that photograph of John C. Calhoun?
1: Yes. It looks yes. quite quite insane. Except yeah, except worse. <laughs> I mean it looks like it looks like it's somebody who's just come out of a of a of a mental institution, right, from that era. I mean, he looks almost inhuman. And when the when the movie actually gets going, and, and you know, Scrooge you see Scrooge actually in his element and interacting with people. He's similarly kind of crazy. He limps, his clothes are terrible. Um, uh, it just doesn't, to me, it just, it, it's almost scary. And despite the wonderful descriptions that Dickens gives to Scrooge about how horrible and mean he is, I never felt really scared of him when in reading the book. Now maybe that's because I know the character. But well, even so, I was watching this movie, and I know the character. But it didn't. It, he didn't come across as scary. He came across as, in my mind, as pathetic. He's not. He's not scary. I, I don't. Yeah. yeah. I don't think he's. He's not
0: scary. Uh, the the he's not the scary part of the book. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's just a guy. If if you weren't into him for money, you would ignore him. Uh, possibly you know break his balls or or something like that he's not he's not the he's not the scary part of i don't think of the novel or really any of the movies
1: yeah yeah yeah. and it shouldn't and shouldn't be i think it, it kind of undercuts and and his transformation incidentally is is almost immediate but um a couple of th- th- they took some liberties with the story um, yeah i so was
0: going to th- ask you what what the, obviously most of these stories are about an hour and a half if not longer so what,
1: you know, did they just kind of. So, what what they did was um, they they had only one ghost. He, he only gets visited by Marley. And Marley represents himself at, 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 or describes himself as representative of. You know, Christmas past, Christmas present, Christmas future. So they cut out right? All of the, the visitations. So it's just the one visitation. Okay, And it's all shot in one room. And so through some, you know, fancy special effects, um, he sees visions of the past, which you see along with him, um, created in the room. Um, So that shortens things down tremendously. And what's interesting is that they add stuff to the beginning. So you see Scrooge, you know, like being taunted by kids and, in him, you know, throttling them um, <laughs> in his, in his office, which is also his home. It all takes place in his office. Um, in his office, he, he's a, a poor beggar woman shows up, who I think is actually the actor's wife, I believe. I'm, I'm not positive about that. And, um, the men of business show up and his nephew show up. So they add the the woman. He also gives Bob Cratchit a gift of a new pen so that he might work more. This um, <laughs> is all this weird stuff. I, I don't know why they did this stuff, but. Um, is that
0: after his redemption or before? No, no,
1: no. It's before his redemption. Um, wouldn't he make, is, wouldn't he make Bob Cratchit bring in his own pen? One would think. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of it's 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 kind of weird. Um, and then when he's alone, the, the, and I don't know whether this is just—I uh, don't—I—I I, I took this badly. Um, and it may be that there's just this streak of anti-Semitism. But when he's alone, they make this big showing of him pulling out a big bag—not a big, a smaller bag of gold. And saying he's only happy when he's, when he's um, at home alone with his gold. Um, and okay. they kind of make this it's really weird. I don't it, it looked to me to be fairly, fairly kind of anti-Semitic. I could be reading too much into it, I don't know, but that that was kind of that was kind of my take. <laughs> but then, you know, Marley shows up as, as a ghost using wonderful 1913 um, special effects. you know film effects um and they they go through everything really quickly scrooge converts almost immediately um and when he is completely converted he has this weird fantasy i guess about being at the cratchit's house for christmas dinner okay and kissing mrs crassett cratchit under the mistletoe um (laughs) is that Uh, is is that where it stops (laughs) stay tuned for part two um and then uh and then he gives all of his money away to beggars outside of his window and that's kind of how it how it how it goes it's it's really odd they make they make some very 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 you know specific choices in terms of what to do and decisions on how to how to do things so i was not I, I really wasn't a fan. I didn't. I did not like it. I did not think that it captured the story, and the kind of either the mood of the story or really the. I mean, it captured the core message of the story, but kind of in a in a very ham ham fisted way. Um,
0: How much is that? Is the limitations of the technology
1: at the time could be a lot. That I mean, that really could be a lot of it. Um, I, I'm, I'm willing to, you know, attribute a fair amount of it actually to that. Um, and so maybe, uh, you know, maybe it was just the limitation of the of the to a certain degree the limitation of the medium. But I thought that the the choices were a little bit odd. I mean, I mean, you know, wh- I think the only reason he had a beggar woman come into the to his office is so he could put his wife in the movie uh, because there, it really didn't it was didn't do anything in addition right to what happens when you know, the men of business who were, you know, putting together a fund for the poor, it didn't do anything, you know, beyond that. Right. I mean, it it did the same thing. And, uh, the early stuff too, with him walking around and being, you know, made fun of by kids, but then, you know, (laughs) accosting them himself. (laughs) Um, it just didn't strike me as, (coughs) excuse me, as being necessary. Well, that's certainly not what I'm going to watch then. (coughs) No, I wouldn't. Although now that I've I've got <clears throat> something caught in my throat, perhaps the ghost of Seymour Hicks is coming and kicking me in the throat. <laughs> <It> could be. <laughs> that, so that sounds was, <laughs> that
0: sounds like Seymour. <laughs> it does. So that was my that was my first choice. I have not seen that, and I'm really not inclined to. As much as I, I kind of like the story. When we we talked about Christmas movie time, you would mention we we did talk about the 51 Alistair Sim movie, which. Which is probably, for the older films, that's kind of, I think, acknowledged as kind of the go-to film. I mentioned the 38 Reginald Owen right movie, which I don't think is as well regarded as the 51 Sim. And we talked about, you know, which is why we won't be talking about it today. We talked about the Bill Murray uh, 1988 comedy, Scrooge. Mm-hmm. I think those were the Three that we came up with. I've watched a bunch just because I tend to around this time that I'd like to talk about much more conventional than what you just talked about. Mm, okay. First one I I rewatched was the 1984 George British American adaptation with I've David Warner.
1: Yeah, I've never seen that. Yeah. <coughs> David Warner is Bob Cratchit. Edward
0: Woodward is the ghost of Christmas present. George e. Scott, of course, is um, is Scrooge. Jonathan, I think his first name is Jonathan Reese, is the nephew. And you would pretty much recognize a whole bunch of character actors. Yeah. It is well done. It's the conventional telling. I, 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 I. Really enjoy it. I think it might be the one of the. It's not so modern anymore, but say the best one post the uh, eighties. You know, post nineteen eighty. You know, I'm not going to compare it favorably or unfavorably favorably to like the the fifty one, uh, the the fifty one movie. I don't know if it's better or not, but of the kind of modern made for television colorized movies. Yeah. It's really well done and it's got a real good stable of professional actors. It's got the budget to do uh, unlike your 1913 version, it has the to do a whole bunch of things Yep, in terms of, you know, when he goes back in time to the school he went to. uh, You know, it looks like a, you know, it, it looks like what you think you know a private boys school would look like in i don't know 1815 1820 whenever scrooge would have been a kid right uh you know so they they're, they're able to go and film on site in a whole bunch of places the and it's the traditional storytelling they leave out and i've only found one movie so far and <clears throat> rereading it i forgot that the ghost of Christmas Christmas present, who's who's my favorite ghost? He did party animal. Scrooge always walks out into the hall there, sitting on this huge chair, and he's got this mm-hmm. feast around him, candles yep. going. He's got a big cup of something <laughs> in his hand. He's kind of jolly and friendly, and I was, always always like that version of the ghost. Um in uh, this one. That that ghost is played by, yeah, that's Edward Woodward plays him, and Edward
1: Woodward. I don't know who that is.
0: Uh the Equalizer. He was Breaker Morant. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Then I do
1: know him. Yes, you do
0: know him. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So, re- reading the story though, the Ghost of Christmas Present, there's a the scene where he shows him. Christmas for the miners, Christmas at a lighthouse, you know, with a, a storm-swept lighthouse, yes. and Christmas aboard a ship, yes. uh, which is almost always left out of these film film adaptations, except for one that I found. It's not in the 84 version, but this is a good, just a good, solid version. The, the, it takes a lot of the, the dialogue straight from, straight from the the written work mm-hmm. it does a really good job with one of my favorite scenes always like the part where i think it. i think the f- first you know because the past is mostly about him yes it's how crappy his dad seemed to be to him how lovely his sister was to him and you know she dies young and, old and it's his nephew fred yep uh it's about the breakup with Belle. it's all focused on him and i think they always play that with him having obviously some regrets about the past but in the present he gets to see the Cratchit family and he gets to see what Bob's dealing with at home, especially with, in terms of tiny Tim. And there's that always that great scene where he asks the ghost, a Christmas present, you know, essentially will, will the boy live? Um, right. And the ghost says, well, you know, I see a lot of stuff. It's not, nothing's definite, but, and he says, you know, well, what do you see? And he says something along the lines of, you know, next year I see an empty, I see an, an empty chair, Crutch, right. crutch yeah, yeah a crutch yeah, yeah. preserved in the corner, and an empty chair, and says something. Uh, I forget what he says, and the ghost says, "Well, he better hurry up and die and <laughs> decrease the surplus right. population." Right, throwing that, throwing that line that Scrooge uses back into, back into his face, is I think you know. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that the first time? you kind of really begin to see him. Is that when the redemption begins in earnest? Is that Because he, he does always, they always play him, George C. Scott and the others. There is a look on his face of uh, sympathy, empathy, whatever you want to call it at that moment. And prior to that, it's it's more uh, I regret maybe letting Belle go I wish my dad wasn't such a dick I wish my sister didn't die so young but I think it might be in that moment with, with at the Cratchit house that you actually get some type of redemption is that the spot or is there a spot that you see where he begins to kind of turn it
1: around I think he begins to turn it around earlier um I think it does begin with the, with, with past, with the past. Um, I, and I think that it, it's done well in some of the, like the, the Alistair Sim version. I think it, it, he does a good job as an actor in reading the lines, in giving them a little bit more meaning than maybe you pick up from the page. But I kind of, I, I have always gotten it almost, um, you know, from the beginning, he, he starts to weaken. And um, because he, he, he begins to, isn't it with the second ghost, he begins to protest that he's, he's too set in his ways? I think so. Yeah, and I think it's and I think it's because he begins to weaken in that in that first set. But I think that that is a, 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 a really good moment in the story when he because it's not just it's being shown to him; he's asking, right? Yes, yes, he's, exactly. He's saying, "Tell, tell me what happens here. I got. I want. I want to know what happens here." He's asking
0: uh, about someone else's well-being.
1: Yeah unlike
0: yeah. un- unlike the, the the ghost of Christmas past where you know I always kind of laugh as much as I like the story <laughs> it, you know it takes the threat of eternal damnation for him to change and become a decent human being <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know. um, so it's got all those the the 84 version has all those great things Fred is Fred is there one of my favorite characters the I always like the, oh, I always like the first part of the movie. I always like, because uh, the, the introduction in most good movies, you get the sense of his, e- even if you didn't know the story, you get you get his character right away. Mm-hmm. You, it's two or three minutes in, and he's just a rotten boss. Yep. He's miserly st- stingy. Yep. Uh, when he goes, what's that great line? Darkness was cheap and Scrooge liked it. Yes, yes. You know, he's got like one candle burning. He's eating this. this, And this is a wealthy, a wealthy guy. And he's, you get the feeling he eats a very small amount, maybe twice a day. Keeps one candle burning. Is stingy with the fire, even in his own home. It looks like it hasn't been. They always depict his home. Um, I believe in the novel, it's actually, didn't he move into Marley's chambers? I think it says in the book it, it's,
1: it's, it's Marley chambers and it's an office building. He's the only one who lives there. So of it's course like a it is. wine merchant in the basement, you know, because d- there's a wine cellar where there's a wine merchant and yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. This is all this kind of, he's such a, he's in, everything he does. It's couched in terms of profit or loss. It's, it's such an economical uh, character in, yes. in the beginning. It's, it's all about assets, that's what, how can I profit? With money is everything. And the one drawback I thought, and not to be uh, you know, too critical, because I do like the movie. I, it's better than the next one I'll talk about, I think. It's George T. E. Scott. Um, He's a big dude, yeah. And I just always I can't remember if he's described this way, but I always pictured him as so sparing of anything that that reeks of waste that he he would weigh about one hundred and five pounds because he, he you know he eats like one bowl of soup twice a day, mm. and that's it. And so he's thin, uh, you know, kind of wiry. And George C. E. Scott's big, kind of yeah, he, big he kind figure of, with the booming yeah. voice and the presence, yeah. and yeah, that doesn't. It, it's a minor, it's a minor quibble. Mm. But the '84, it's good. You can find it. You might have to rent it for like two ninety nine, but you may be able to find it for free. I like it. It's probably the best of the
1: modern conventional adaptations. Yeah. Yeah, and it
0: I'll hits
1: all, go, yeah, I'll have to go dig that one out because I I, I've known about it, of, um, you know, forever, of course.
0: It hits all the high points and George e. Scott does play it at times with us. He's kind of got a sly bit of a sly grin on his face at times. There's, mm. you know, one of my the interaction with Marley is always great, especially when he asks, can you sit? And Marley says, yes. And he's like, well, do it. And like, you're making me nervous sit down. Yes. Is he kind of yes. yelling at the yelling at the ghost. Yeah. And interestingly, he call, you know, for all his all his coldness to everybody, he addresses and this is true in the story, it's true just about every movie version I've seen. He does address Marley with this Christian name. He does call yes, him Jacob. Him. Yeah. Like maybe he did have one true, one true friend in the world. Uh, just yeah. an observation.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, th- I think. I, well, he had a kindred spirit. He definitely had a kindred spirit. Yeah, and I think that's more than anything else. And you know, call that friendship. You know, perhaps. That's all I really have to say about the eighty-four version. Only because
0: it's it is pretty straightforward. It 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 chops out. It chops out the lighthouse, the miners, and the people at sea, like just about every other version I've ever seen does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it does I'm pretty sure it does do the want and ignorance scene, which is we could talk about that later if you want. Yeah. I always found that to be a a horrific. Yeah. That that's the terrifying that's one of the two like terrifying scenes for me. Yeah, is they want uh, whose children are these? And he says, "Man's." Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and they got these feral. Yeah, a uh, boy and a girl want and ignorance, and you know, says, "Watch out for ignorance in particular." Yeah, and you know, it it's um when you think about so many of the populist extremist populist movements are sort of based on want and ignorance
1: yes i was gonna say the the, more than more than a lot in um uh in the in the story that element just holds holds true right for all time i in my opinion
0: Watch out. If you want to keep your money, watch out for these two. They're coming for you. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, yeah, I think that's... Uh, but everything else is pretty... It's just a... a I've repeating myself. It's just a... If you want to see a good kind of standard... yeah. It's not, it's not playing games. It's not trying to be more clever than it is. It's just pretty much a straightforward telling done by... by, um, you know, workmen like professional actors it's a good version
1: right all right well the second version i did is actually not a movie it is the 1939 um campbell soup sponsored mercury theater oh yes version with lionel barrymore as scrooge
0: is that the one uh, done by
1: Orson Welles? Yep, Orson Welles nice. doing a little bit of narration, and then a bunch of people. Of course, right? It's Welles, so the guy who played Mister Bernstein in Citizen Kane is an actor sure. named Everett Sloan. He absolutely he plays Marley's ghost. Um, an actress who was somebody in in Citizen Kane. I think she may have been a secretary. Some you know one of the people at uh, at um, uh, Kane's estate. You know who's letting the reporter look at at some records. Um, she was, uh, you know, Mrs. Cratchit. So it has, you know, that kind of a cast to it. Of course, it has Lionel Barrymore, um, one of the what were they four Barrymore, three or four Barrymore brothers that were all actors coming uh, out of the early twentieth century, and so it was like grandfather and sons and like filthy with him. Yeah, and I think he's the great uncle of drew Barrymore. I think
0: it was Lionel. I know Lionel
1: and John and I I never keep them straight. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. So she's like drew Barrymore is related to Lionel Barrymore, but I think most people would know Lionel Barrymore for um, and certainly Christmas movies is his role as Mr. Potter in it's a wonderful (laughs) life. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Hey,
0: you're, I mean, you're, nothing,
1: you're nothing but a fraud uh, <laughs> 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 Give me my money back <laughs> uh, and uh, um, but he's you know he he was in his day, certainly when he was a bit younger was was you know w- one of the great actors uh, you know that was around and and you know had a real presence and so this was just a you know it was a radio um, you know it was a reading of it and because of that they stuck fairly close to the dialogue and to the narration, although it was shortened up quite a bit. Um, uh, and Lionel Barrymore essentially is playing Mr. Potter, because I think, you know, you're supposed to in It's a Wonderful Life, I think associate Mr. Potter with Scrooge, right? I mean, I, I how can you not at a certain level? Right. And, right. you know, he's got that voice and he's got that, you know, that kind of weird way of talking and um uh uh, so it was good i i really i really enjoyed it and of course orson welles narrating here and there is always great because he has one of the great uh great voices i think uh, sure does in in american radio and in in theater uh so, the, you know, there were slight variations, you know, some of it was edited a bit. Um, but what was really nice is that as a general matter, there were no English accents. You know, they were. This is something that I like. It's um, um, there's a uh, there's a movie maker. These oh, goodness, what's his name? Did Moonlight Moonrise Kingdom. Um, uh, uh, Tenenbaum. Royal the, Tannenbaums. The, the Royal Tannenbaums. What's his name? What's the director's name? For um, whatever reason, I have Vim Vendors in my head. Um, anyway, what what's his name? Um, Peckinpah. That guy. <laughs> yeah. <Peck and> pa. <laughs> he. It seems like like in the Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, you know, it's supposed to be set in Central Europe, and all of the actors just use their native accents. And I always and and then I was watching the rest of his movies and realized oh yeah he he never tries to have his actors um you know do these accents and and I was so I kind of appreciate that you know it's kind of hey just just you know read the words we don't you know okay they're supposed to be German we don't need you know I'm not going to be any more convinced that someone is German if they're all in Germany supposedly talking to each other all speaking English with German accents right doesn't make any sense so. Just use your you know regular accent, and I, I kind of always appreciated that. But in the event, West, Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Anderson. So um, this, it's you know, it's all the American or roughly American accents that they use, which I, which I kind of, which I kind of like. Um, it's really nice production. I mean, it's you know, thirties. So you know, there are um, you know, there's a chorusing in the background in the introduction. You know, Christmas carols. Of course, and and a couple of um, interludes uh, in between that uh, that do it. Um, it's it was evidently the fifth time it was done. Um, I know that the Mercury Theater did it prior to Campbell Soup taking over with Orson Welles as being um, Scrooge. And but that one
0: focused very much. It's my understanding. I've never listened to it. Mm-hmm my understanding that one was earlier it was closer to the heart of the depression and it really focused upon that that uh, you know the economic problems mm. because when Dickens wrote this in the 40s 1840s I think they called it what they call it the, the hungry 40s there was the poverty laws and people moving in from the farms yep. into the city
1: yep.
0: there was a financial crisis which obviously took its toll on, on the underclass and um, Orson Welles did it kind of in a comparable time in U S history. And I think the Orson Welles version focuses much more heavily on, on that, that aspect.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at all, particularly given how the Mercury theater came about and, and, and all that, which incidentally um, is something that uh, I, I think people should know a little bit more about kind of how Orson Wells came about. In I would love to do,
0: I would love to devote an episode. I love, I love that old time. I love the idea of old time radio productions. Orson Welles was hands down an absolute genius. Yep. And some of the shows he did with the Mercury theater of you know, people say, you know, what works of art has the government ever created? Yeah, uh, and although I'm not for you know, the government funding a ton of a ton of art all the time, all over the place. I will say, you know, the mercury theater and yeah. the grapes are rat. Yeah. But anyways, sorry to yeah. interrupt.
1: No, 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 no problem. At all. I would I love to you... do
0: an episode devoted to that kind of thing. Yeah. Especially, especially war of the worlds and, and, and some of their other
1: productions. Yeah. Well, they did a whole bunch of stuff. I just kind of took a look. I mean, you know, from Dracula to um, uh, radio adaptations of historical plays, like something called Abraham Lincoln by John Drinkwater. Um, other Dickens like Oliver Twist, um, they did Jane Eyre, the War of the Worlds, as, as uh, you noted, which is an adaptation of HG uh, Wells. Um, they did radio versions of movies So they did a radio adaptation of Only Angels Have Wings. Um, They did Jane Eyre, Huck Finn. So they they did Did an awful lot of stuff. Did he? I I can never remember this. I know he filmed a little bit
0: of it and they yanked it. They yanked his funding. But did they do a radio version of Heart of Darkness?
1: I think that they did. Yes. I think that they did. I'm fairly certain. Yes, they did. Yeah. So it's a, it's this, it's this really interesting, um, I think interesting kind of history to it. And uh, 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 you know, the, the, the accents, you know, the American accents, uh, the quality of the actors, they are all very high quality. Um, It's really a nice way to, cause I've also listened, you know, had just, you know, kind of a book on tape kind of a thing to Christmas Carol, which is nice, but I think that the the radio adaptation is is actually even uh, even better when you have you know the professionals doing it and listening to them as opposed to just someone who's who's a professional reader, right? How long or, how
0: long how long was that?
1: Not long, um, actually. Uh maybe again like a you know a 40 minutes kind of thing. Okay. 40, 45 minutes. So um you know, obviously some some editing, but uh, you know, done really very well. I was really very impressed with it. I thought it was I thought it was quite good. Um, and you know, if you if you want to take, and I found it on YouTube also. Uh, and if you want to take, you know, a little less than an hour to kind of go back in time and experience Christmas carol like your grandparents may have. Uh, assuming they were, you know, your family was here in the United States. Um, It's a great thing to do. Uh, And it's a great, you know, the the recording quality is really good, really good actors. The whole thing works. So I I give it a, I give it a big thumbs up. Excellent. That's a great one.
0: Um, My, the second one I watched was, where is it? 1999's 1999 made for television version with Patrick Stewart, Uh, Richard Grant, Dominic West as Fred. Really? Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. Just on the, uh, what, five, six years away from hitting it big with the wire? Yeah. Yeah. It's, again, it is, it's really an updated version of the 1984 movie, updated version of the 1951 movie, which is an updated, (laughs) you know, it's, pretty standard in in um in uh it's cleaner looking because it's 1999 and not yep. 1984 so it's got that crisp clean look patrick stewart plays it how can i put this everything is historically you know it's done historically but so the like the top coat he wears and the way he wears it and the hat at a rakish angle almost has a uh, kind of a modern edge to it. Mm. That's that's different than the, the
1: George C. Scott version. Yeah. Uh now if he's if he's wearing his hat with a rake at a rakish angle, that's not Scrooge to me. Yeah, well the thing about it the thing about Patrick
0: Stewart is it's all about the
1: Yes. I yeah. mean it's
0: really nothing to look at. <laughs> um yeah. nothing nothing impressive to look at. And his baldness is a bit striking, but other than that, it's it's all it's all about the voice. And he's got he he does it well, but not quite as Dusty and frumpy as George C. The Georgie Scott
1: version. If, 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 if that is gritty. Yeah, he's. Well, the thing about. Um, uh, Patrick Stewart is. He's in better shape at 90 or however old he is now than I've ever been in my life. <laughs> um, and he's been that way always. Right. Right. I, mean, I don't think yeah. I don't think he's changed in that regard. He takes very good care of himself physically. He's very trim. He's very healthy looking. And I think that one of the reasons, one of the the things that you need, to, my personal view, you need to do with the character of Scrooge is he really needs to be, in some ways, pathetic. You need to be able to, you know, not just mean, but pathetic. In my well, view. His,
0: his, his nephew says for all the money he has, what goods it do him yeah, he doesn't right. spend it on anything and you do get this he'd rather let himself go to you know he'd rather wear old coats old clothes eat you know his one bowl of soup a day. looks like if i i mean it doesn't even look like soup it looks like freaking gruel uh and let himself fall apart than spend one extra penny yeah. on anything that's not completely and totally necessary. Yep. So it 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 when the way Stuart plays him, it's very smart dressed, smartly dressed. Yeah. And two uh George T. Scott mumbles at times, like expect Scrooge to kind of not well, it's George C. Scott, so he doesn't exactly mumble. Yeah. But you know, Patrick Stewart just has that such a such a crisp, clear uh deliver- it's It's a fine movie. He's a fine actor. everybody else is is fine in it, and it again, the only oh the only like real difference is that this is the movie where the Ghost of Christmas present does take him to the mining town, the lighthouse hmm. and the ship to see how these 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 you know working class, despite the lack of you know a, a Material a lot of niceties too. they have. Yeah how they've taken Christmas and, and, and keep it. And it's about sharing and, and being with friends and family rather than, uh, you know, some commercialized, because Scrooge does say basically um, he thinks it's a commercialized holiday. And the ba humbug apparently is, I just always thought that was a way to say, go screw yourself. But apparently Humbug was a way to say, I think you're all phonies. You'll do this, you'll do this for 24 or 48 hours, but not the rest of the year because you're all a bunch of phonies.
1: Yes, he does that's
0: okay. Yeah, gotcha. And, that and he's yeah. Yeah, and he's being shown who aren't going out of the way one day to to, to give some alms to the poor or things like that. It's just poor working class people. Sharing what they had with friends and and relatives and and saying a few prayers, singing a few carols and things of that sort. So that's in the Patrick Stewart movie. It's the only time I've ever seen it. Hmm. It's so rare to see it that that when I read it, I almost forgot. I I don't think I even remembered it was in the book, to tell you the truth, in the novella. So it was kind of when I watched the movie, which was a couple weeks after I reread the novella, I was like, oh, yeah, wow. I didn't think any movie ever did this. But if you like the story, it's a fine version. I think I think I prefer. I think overall I prefer, prefer the George C. Scott of the of kind of the modern adaptations. I, I prefer the George C. Scott. George C. Scott one. But, you know, Patrick Stewart, Dominic West, uh, if you like the story it's it's a decent version it's fine so that's my second adaptation i went very although i got two others that talk about quickly i went um yeah very conventionally so with with those standards because i I love the story i think it's i like it and it's so adaptable
1: yes Uh,
0: it is yes it's you know it's it's kind of cool to see it as a as a period piece and get that whole victoriana going on but not necessary you can really adapt it to modern day to to any time um it's funny i looked up the i i looked up the tv adaptations what i i i stopped writing them down but you know these are oh, the, there's
1: there's there's yeah uh, the odd
0: couple family ties the 6 million dollar yeah. man yeah roseanne Um, did one but it was based on halloween but it was essentially a christmas carol yeah a different world wkrp in cincinnati bewitched i mean i stopped writing them down so many yeah so many people have done them because it's just so adept
1: yeah i'd like to do an
0: adaptation in space yes (laughs) With, with elves with a lawyer I mean, what, what is it the lawyers i mean which which um
1: do you have any any other adaptations
0: you want to talk about
1: um no i mean i was going to make the comment that you just made that it 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 is something that um people have found ways to um a- adapt into a variety of circumstances and i think that's the nature of it's it's the nature of the story itself um it lends itself very easily it can be transported in time um you know you can change country. the setting here every yeah. yeah country time circumstance uh holiday season right uh it, it, because it's it's really the story of um it's 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 interesting I, i'm going to i'm going to get a little bit um uh, get a little bit uh, literary criticky here but or maybe not literary criticky but but um maybe extract what I think the real message is that, that Dickens is is sending here with this, which is not that, Hey, you should be happy at Christmas and you should right it. It's about being a good person. That's what the story is about. And it really,
0: it really emphasizes. Action, right? Yes. Because Marley says, it's like Jacob, you know, you were a good businessman. You drove a hard bargain. He didn't do anything evil. And he's the same. He should have intervened to do active good. So sitting back and not doing bad things isn't, you know, in, in the world of A Christmas Carol, ain't going to help you.
1: Yeah, there's a, there's a great line at the end, at the very end of the story. And this is something that I, I, I actually should have mentioned earlier when you asked me, but I, I kind of picked up on it this last time through it. So at the end of the story, there's this great line about him being, you know, as good a friend, as good a master, as good as man as the good old city knew. Right. But in the book, there's something that follows that. And what follows that is is noting that he gets, you know, people laugh at him when they go and they see, you know, how he has changed and all this good stuff that he's doing. Right. And. He turns up he he's okay with it and it's not that he just you know kind of turns away from it the the line is here it is it's he says when he's talking yeah he says uh, he was wise enough to know that nothing ever happened on this globe for good at which some people did not have their fill of laughter in the outset and knowing that such of these would be blind anyway he thought it quite as well that they should wrinkle up their eyes in grins as have the malady in less attractive forms his own heart laughed and that was quite enough for him and i in rereading it <clears throat> excuse me that aspect of it right which is this is a this is a this is a story to tell you don't take yourself too seriously don't let anybody divert you from a path in life that is filled with goodness, and go and do those things. And if people laugh at you for it, who cares? And be happy that they're laughing and not kicking you, right? I mean that right, That should be the, you know, that should be the um, the standard. And I and I think that the when you go back and and you and I haven't I haven't done this again really because I've always thought of it as a Christmas story. But I think the next time I sit down and read it, I am gonna sit down and read it with that aspect of it in my mind, that it's not about Christmas, it's about living a good life. And the messages, and we were talking about wanting and ignorance, I think those mess- one of the reasons that the story has, has uh, sustained itself for so long and been adapted so many times is that I think he's really tapped into and figured out a way to express in a very accessible way some of those, you know, reflections on the human condition that are almost universal, and he was really just able to figure out how to tap into it perfectly with this story, um, and uh, uh, you know, give it real life, and and I think that's what that's why it resonates.
0: <clears throat> it is what makes it a classic, right? Tapping yeah. into kind of those universal, universal. Um, Uh, themes and experiences exactly I also think um, maybe I'm reading too much into it it seems to me you know back in the 1840s up through the Gilded Age that there probably was (coughs) excuse me there probably was this terrible fear among the middle class the upper class the, the, the rich of falling from that station into the poverty that existed at the time yeah uh pot i mean <laughs> uh, there's no there's, safety there's, net at that time there is I mean, there's this really, real fear <laughs> and that's kind of what i'm getting at is that you know there's poverty today and it, it can in the united, in, in the united states and it, it, it can be pretty bad but it is, it, it is really nothing like mid-19th compared, century oh yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it's it's mid 19th century England uh, mid 19th century America yeah in, in certain places it's just this abject it, it, terrible it, people died of
1: malnourishment
0: and all right. sorts of things the violence the the utter you know the crime the just the, the complete bleakness of it also falling into that state had to be a terrifying prospect it, and at the same time which which may may explain, um, I have a feeling Scrooge voted Tory his entire life. Uh, That's a good guess. and it's kind of a vicious circle, right you You pinch you pinch the pennies. You do not want to back anybody who would you know, want to legislate much in the way of a social safety net, so you don't fall into that position where there's no social safety net. Yep. Uh, so it's <laughs> everyone's fearful of becoming poor through whatever reason. I mean, you see it um right in the novel in the uh, novella uh, he's he dies and it gives a couple a reprieve on a, sounds like maybe a mortgage coming due yeah. and and if he hadn't died i believe the husband says they would have been utterly ruined um you know utterly ruined like uh, out on the streets homeless in in, in that environment it would have been terrible and yet you know, the people who are scared to fall into that condition are not supporting any anything that would create a cushion. Right. From that fall. So it's so it's it's this this, this kind of I, I don't know, I might be reading a little too much into it. But I think that's that's kind of the, the one of the ironies of the whole thing, because he does point out you know when those two when those two guys from uh, i know it was like the the merchants league or something that was trying right. to raise money for the poor they must have been new on the scene because they actually right. try to hit up scrooge right right in and, and, and the movies they do point out <laughs> i don't i did not see that in the i may have missed it because it's been a couple of weeks since i've read it but in the george c scott version and the patrick Stewart version they 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 talk about you know we would like you to donate to help the poor. And he's like, "Are you new? <laughs> <laughs> Is this a new route for you?" And I always wonder, like, the next day when he gives them money and more, he gives yeah. them like a donation, yeah. and here's a you know, here's a back donation. These, yeah. The, those guys go back to the office like, "Oh yeah, um, here's the check from Scrooge," and everyone <laughs> looks at him like, "What?" Yeah, and you know you know he you know <laughs> he wanted to make up for like a decade of not contributing so no yeah, no problem it was uh yeah we just talked to the guy he's fine <laughs> it's like are you guys new on this route the the other two um the other two adaptations quickly there's one i like for nostalgia purposes even though it's not bad it's made for tv american movie from 1979 starring henry winkler oh, yeah. yeah, some yeah. of the worst Makeup, not their fault. That was the makeup back then to make one look elderly. Yes, but woo, the makeup is rough. But it's called an American Christmas Carol. It takes place in New Hampshire during the Depression, and it is essentially the it's it's the um it's the Scrooge, uh, the Americanized version of of a Christmas Carol, and it's right. It's uh it's it's pretty solid. Lot of a lot of that guy actors in it. Mm-hmm. you would remember from the 70s and into the 80s It's like I can't even remember literally I don't think I can remember any of their tell you any of their names except for except for Henry Winkler right and uh, you know he's just um, a crotchety old businessman who can afford to do a lot during the depression such as open up the quarry now that Roosevelt is um, beginning all, all his WPA programs and he just it's just like, it's a failed business. Why would I open up a failed business type of thing? Uh, anyway, he, he's, uh, he almost has, he comes, he, he is an orphan. He's taken in by a very nice family. He's, uh, the family makes furniture. It's, uh, I don't know turn of the century or 1910 he goes west to, uh, to michigan where someone is making furniture on the assembly line makes a lot of money comes back and when he comes back he essentially sets up a it's like rent a center mm. he he's like a pioneer in, in time payments and he's talking to his future business that his future marley and the marley the marley characters like tell me about it he goes uh, yeah, we, you sell uh, a car, a bed, a radio to people who afford it, and he's like, "What are you talking about? They make time payments. Yeah, they put ten percent down. They make payments, and by the time they're done paying, they paid like hundred and fifty percent." Yeah, he's like, "What happens if they can't make the payments? You take it back and resell it, right?" And the guy's eyes start to light up, and that's basically what he, what he does. The It's good. Maybe I like it for nostalgic reasons, but I think I saw it. You know, when I was maybe a young teen, one late one night it was on, and I saw it, and I kind of thought it was neat. I have family from Nashua, which is where it takes place. Mm, Yeah, Nashua, New Hampshire. So, and the other one, real quickly, I have not watched all the way through. Is the I believe it's the 2019 TNT version with Guy Pierce, and it is weird. It was three nights and it is just... I I watched the first night and I never... I I never... The the acting's fine. The the sets are fine. The dialogue is fine. He plays Scrooge as a much younger man who's kind of not really a yeller but just very um, cynical and sarcastic. Mm -hmm. But I'll give you two. You see marley called like raised out of the earth like you oh. see his coffin open and him kind of crawl out of the earth have a conversation with the ghost of christmas yet to come and then there is a scene where and this is where kind of lost me not that hey listen to each their own if you want to make a version like this there's there's room for all sorts of versions but uh scrooge's dad finds out that the headmaster at the school is molesting his son. And instead of yanking the kid out of school and doing something about it, he makes a deal with the headmaster. You can keep doing it for free tuition. Oh, Jesus Christ. And and then there's a scene where where Scrooge has Mrs. Cratchit in the office and basically having her strip for him like he's going to have his way with have his way with her to, I don't know, pay off a cratchit of debt or to let Bob keep his job or something. I forget which. And, you know, she starts to do it. And, yeah, he's just toying with her and he's cruel about it. And then he, nothing, ha- you know, he doesn't do anything, actually. She doesn't, ultimately, she you know, she ends up taking off like an outer layer of clothes or something yeah. like that. And then he kicks her out or something. It's just weird. It's not. It's it's just really a kind of like this postmodern kind of craziness that I I I didn't go back to tonight's two and three. I I'm gonna try to
1: dig that up. That I I would be interested <laughs> you, to. You, you, the, I had you at the child molestation part. Yeah, I, that <laughs> you know that gets me going every time.
0: Yeah, you can find that. uh, That streams because I think a lot of the TNT stuff streams on you know Prime or through Prime. Right. Right. you can definitely find it yeah it's some of the imagery it's kind of really neat it's just really it's the bare bones of the story and they went their own way and it was a little too freaky for me to enjoy yeah you know so but it's yeah. some of the scenes are worth it all
1: right i will i will check that out and i think uh, i'm gonna suggest we do a uh we do a um Dominic West retrospective is one of our next uh, shows as well. Well, there's the 1999 A Christmas Carol of Patrick Stewart and Dominic West. He was also in Richard III with uh, um, the, the the one set in Fascist Europe, Fascist England. Oh, with, Ian uh, McConnell. Ian McConnell, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I got a couple of questions for you. Oh, okay. I got one. I got one for you. All
0: right. Do you want to go first? Or you want me to go? Because I have a couple. Uh, you go ahead because you may cover mine. So nothing, nothing. Uh, you know, too deep or anything. But do you think Fred's fucking with his uncle? Because he says he does it every year. He invites him. Do you think he just walks into the office like at that time of year again? Let me go say Merry Christmas to Uncle Scrooge, and he's gonna wig out. (laughs) Yeah, I think he's just having a good time. (laughs) I think he's just having a good time. I really like the character. It doesn't. Uh. Fred nephew Fred gives one of the Cratchit boys a job yes and they always make him out because there's words like what what has all this profited you you're you know you, you don't have another dime to show he basically calls Fred poor yet in the adaptations when he goes to Fred's house uh to have dinner and apologize yeah, he's he's made, always a there's thing. a party <laughs> going on yeah yeah he's like in, in the um You know, uh, uh, what is that section of? It looks like he's living in that that really, really uh, was it Belgravia section of London? Could be. So is it like? Is it the difference between Scrooge is worth like five million pounds and nephew Fred is worth two million? So he's considered poor. (laughs) uh, uh,
1: Yeah, I think, I think, I think so. I think that's what it is. I think it's the only thing that makes sense. It's one of those things in it that just doesn't. You know, it it kind of doesn't really kind of fully work right. but, I, but I do think that, I do think that, that Fred is, is screwing with him I think if, that's what it is It's Scrooge
0: Right? he just wants to be left alone he wants people to pay what he's owed and you know when he says kind of made me laugh when he says I suppose you'll want the entire day off tomorrow if it be okay it's like yeah do you, why not once a pocket I give you a day's pay for no work This is Scrooge has a point, right? No, he doesn't. (laughs) I'm letting my Tory come
1: out. You're letting your inner Tory come out. I'm letting. That's my inner Tory. He's
0: like, you know what? He's right. Why am I paying? Take the day off. But why am I paying?
1: That's why this story is so. That's one of the reasons I think the story is so good is because there's a there's a logic that that Scrooge has that is unassailable at a certain level. But it's also so flatly wrong if you um, stop being so logical. Um, and uh, I think that uh, yes, you can you can you can say, I mean the, the thing that is sim- more sympathetic is is after he's he, he kind of and this I, to me in the Alistair sim version is done very well where he he kind of says, "I get it. I understand what's going on, but please just leave me alone. I'm going to go to hell. <laughs> you know, it's going to be bad. I, I have a little
0: bit, I kind of have a little bit of respect for the pre ghost of Christmas past Scrooge. Yeah. It's like, leave me alone. I'm not, yeah. I'm not bothering yeah. you. Stop bothering me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of rooting big. for maybe I'm, maybe I'm alone. Yeah. Maybe I'm on an Island on that one. Yeah.
1: All right, Um, I'll ask ask my question and then you get to the rest of yours. So my question is. Why? Why is it that the realization that he's going to die is somehow the straw that breaks the camel's back? (laughs) Everybody's going to die. I I mean, what (laughs) did he not see that? Yeah, right. I don't I don't. I've never really understood that bit of okay. the Christmas yeah. future, right? Well, and I don't want to, I want to, yeah, I, I, I want to
0: talk about your question. But the corollary to that is, is he just in denial? But for the longest time, who's that? <laughs> who's that dead guy? Hey, wait a second. <laughs> who, who are they talking about? Is he in denial? Like, does he really know who they're talking about? Or is it like, hey, come yeah. on, man. Yeah, You've obviously made a shit ton of money. You can't be an idiot, but you don't know what you... Yeah, um, is it, is it that? I took it to be the, the, it wasn't that he'd be dying, being forgotten after death was the kicker. Yeah. Um, well,
1: and that's in the, in the, and it doesn't. I think I I think that you're right. And I think in some versions of the um, I think some of the adaptations do a better job of kind of showing some of that than others.
0: Yeah. And I think you're right. I'm not sure I'm getting that from the novella or all the adaptations I've watched in
1: the past two weeks. Yeah. Like I think I think um, (laughs) I I think that I'm going to die. Are you kidding me? I think the Alistair Sim one does it because everything is the same, right? Everybody's the same age, right? He sees the men of business. They're all the same age. His housekeeper hasn't really changed in age at all. No. And it looks like he's died very quickly and nobody cares. And in the book, in the novel, you get that as well because they're right right—they're arguing about, you know, what they're going to, you know, who's going to make money. It wasn't that one guy,
0: I'll go only if you serve lunch. I'll go to his funeral only right. if they serve lunch.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> and uh, and I think actually in the Bill movie, Bill Murray, the Scrooged movie, they actually do a pretty good job when, his, when he's about to get cremated, and it's just his brother. Oh, isn't it? Karen, Karen Allen's there too, right? No, she's um, she isn't. I think okay. it's, just, it's just his brother. He sees her, and he sees her. Now she's cynical and cynical and, and, and yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So that, I think that the, he does it kind of well that way. But yeah, so that was my one little. That was my that was my one nitpick.
0: Is that the uh, uh, Joel Murray? Yes. Okay, because Brian Doyle Murray is his father in that, right? Yes. So we've talked about Joel Murray in two successive podcasts. This has to be a record for oh, any that's podcast. Interesting. Yeah. Well, unless there's, a, unless there's a Joel Murray specific podcast podcast out there yeah 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 i think it's that um but maybe it doesn't quite come across that directly in the in the novella
1: yeah
0: yeah and certainly in some of the adaptations um i have one the the other one was um and i don't think it's straightforward is
1: what's his business um I don't think we count it. He counts things.
0: <laughs> and accounting house is a, it's called a warehouse. They make reference to a counting house. And all those are very broad terms. And in, in that during that time period. Yeah. Well, you uh, know, Dick Dickens was an artist. He doesn't know what he's, you know, business is business. Could be anything, uh, but you do, he does go to the Royal exchange. So you kind of get the feeling yeah. he's, Maybe he's lending money. Maybe he's buying up, buying up debt, um, trading some commodities, possibly doing a yeah. little bit of everything. But all you I really, see, all you really see them do is scribble in books, yes. ledgers. It's like, yes. what, are you an accounting firm? Are you like, <laughs> are you an accounting firm for other businesses? But you know, then you see the scene where he, he, yeah, you assume the mortgage for that younger couple, right? But You don't really, really know what, what they do. I think it's a little bit of everything. I I think. What do you base that on? (laughs) (laughs) You base that on nothing. Well, yeah. (laughs) All (laughs) they do
1: is scribble in their ledgers all day. Right. No, I think that I think that it has to be. um, He's 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 engaging in various forms of arbitrage. So it's it's lending money, capital. He's buying. He's buying for a dollar, selling for two. Right? That's... Is he buying
0: companies and dismantling them
1: for whatever he Is he one of the first LBO guys? <laughs> yeah, is. like
0: Bain Capital. Good <laughs> thing uh, Yeah, it's just you know, it's funny that you don't really. I mean, you can pick up that it might be a very diversified, diversified uh, you know, type of personal bank. You know, he's. He's
1: doing, he's buying and selling some stock or commodities. I think it is I think, know, it, exchange. Is a, I think it is a, a I think it is a financial transaction. I mean, I think that, uh, so I think what he is, it's private, it's private finance, I think, is yeah. that he's yeah. primarily, essentially, he's a lender, but. Um, um, uh, but I, probably more interesting financial transactions than that. So he may take equity in a business and he may, you know, secure his lo- loans. And so he may end up with property that he then needs to sell. And so. Right. Right. And that's it, what I it's think kind of as well. Yeah. yeah. yeah I think he might my, buy right.
0: up some debt, too. And then then, yeah. You know, so the, the creditor yeah, yeah, gets yeah. out with something and he turns around and finds a way to make money. Right. And my last question. Oh, geez. I was just thinking, is there a missing scene in this? So, in the first third of the book, you see his father, the bankeist. Bank his, <laughs> his father, his father treats him like garbage. Yeah just it's very cold, very cold, yes. man. Uh, he's gonna be, finally let him come home for Christmas and he's gonna be home for a couple days and then he's going straight to his apprenticeship, which looked like a pretty good gig with Fezziwig. Yeah. and Fezziwig at Christmas time, although, Great name, one of the great names in American in uh, English literature. The party doesn't. It's Christmas Eve, and the party doesn't start till seven p.m. He's they're working to seven p.m. though. Yeah, that's that's a little rough. But anyway, then I think the next scene is breaks up with Belle because she basically says you've changed. Uh, We we kind of made the marriage contract when we really had no, no no big financial futures, and essentially. I would not be your choice today, right? And he doesn't say no.
1: No, and, he doesn't.
0: Uh, and yet, and then you, and I think that's the last of the Christmas past. Uh, and I, again, I could be confusing this with one of the adaptations. But anyway, in any, in any event, then you go to Christmas present, and but his pet. I feel like there's a scene missing that pushing so his dad's his dad's an asshole if he he reveals a certain amount of ambition because he's working to the last minute yeah when everyone else is really kind of cutting out early and then with bell he's willing to give that whole thing up and he never does marry but but it's almost as if she says uh, would you choose me today knowing I don't have a dowry? And he just... It's like, dude, it, it's like if if a girl asks you if she looks fat in that dress, you got to say no right. really fast. Right. I feel like maybe there should be one more scene that really turns him into...
1: Tom.
0: Um, so... Like
1: something... Else, maybe that's the, too heavy handed. Am the Alistair, something? no, I, I, yes, no, I know what you're saying. And the, and I go back to the, this is one of the reasons I like the Alistair Sim movie is that in that movie, the relationship between he and his sister is really strong. Fan, right? Fan. Fred's, and, Fred. Fred's mother. And then she dies and he. Blame, he she she dies in childbirth, and so he 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 kind of blames Fred, right? Right, so that's why he's always cold to Fred, and he dislikes her husband because if she didn't get pregnant, of course, she wouldn't have died. And in the movie, she what he sees as when he's going through this, you know, Christmas pass. He sees what he never saw in, in life. Her, because she's delirious, doesn't know that he's left, asking him to take care of Fred. So I think that those pieces in the in the help add to it. Right? Yeah, yes. That, that, that element to it. And I thought that they did that. I, I thought that that movie did that nicely. It just kind of, it, it's that... To me, it is that extra bit, right? You know, your your sister dies, you know, and because of the circumstances, your it really impacts you. Your fiance, you know, you, all of the women in in your life have turned on you. Yeah, it seems like there's that that bridge where. She was his bridge. Fan was his bridge right when he was a kid. I mean, that was it. That was humanity. was his sister. She dies. And then he has, you know, he's he's engaged and she leaves him. And she calls him out, too. That's the other thing, too. She calls him out on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's. um... Yeah, she.
0: It's (laughs) it's almost like. He was doing that, dicky teenage boy. Yeah, I, I don't have the balls to break up with you, but I'll treat you like a I'll, I'll treat you like a, a you know an asshole for a couple weeks so you break up with me. Yep. Uh, yeah, she you know she's pretty clever. She's pretty good. I like to know that's maybe maybe her life could be the sequel. Um, yeah, I just think there's um, because when once he basically the bell thing is over, he still always, he's like in a want to be poor doesn't mean he couldn't find uh you know a woman who who kind of was on the same wavelength with him who would go along with his his ambitions and and things like that but he really develops into this this, this awful terrible guy and I, I think there's a missing scene or maybe that scene would be too heavy-handed i'm mm. not sure yeah not sure okay last question uh, despite the last part of of the the last paragraph or two of the book, how long does this last? Does he backslide? <laughs> it's like a couple of weeks later. He's getting like he's getting like more stressed. Cratchit's coming in late, and he's just like trying to be cool about it. But eventually, right. <laughs> all all Scratchit's kids
1: start coming in,
0: get feeling entitled. <laughs> It walks in and Tiny Tim's got his
1: feet up on his desk. Yeah, right. <laughs> Smoking yeah, his cigars. Yeah. Hey, and he uh, just, like Ebenezer, uh, there's that new bicycle. Uh, you know, where's the where's the pound note so I can go get it? Oh, he just <laughs> wigs he just wigs a hat on him. Uh, I, I don't know if it lasts. That's all I'm saying. Well, <laughs> despite the last paragraph, yes, I, I although I don't know, you get visited by a few ghosts, you know, where you kind of hmm, yeah, it might change your yeah, perspective but, on things for sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. I do, uh, unlike a lot of the movie versions, as well. Um, the reading the book confirmed my recollection. He never goes to the Cratchits. A lot of, well, not a lot, but some of these adaptations like to have him show up at the Cratchits.
1: Oh, do they? Oh, in the, yeah,
0: in the book, he does yeah. not. Obviously, he just yeah. has the he has the turkey sent around.
1: Yeah, and the, that's true. The, the
0: sim movie too. He doesn't <laughs> yeah. in the uh, and before we cut out in the eighty four George C Scott version. He leaves on Christmas, He leaves the shop on Christmas. You know, the shop is like downtown. His warehouse, his shop, his offices looks like it's in a mover shaker part of London, not too far from that Royal Exchange, which which would be kind of in the heart of the financial district. Mm-hmm. But the Cratchits live in Camden Town, which is. Yes, quite a, quite a haul But in the movie, he 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 leaves work on Christmas Eve with with Bob Cratchit still in the office. He tells Cratchit to lock up because he's going to go to the Royal Exchange. And Tiny Tim's on the corner because he's come from home to walk home with his dad. And I'm thinking he's crutch and everything like that. I'm like the kid on the crutch just walked like twelve miles through the snow. <laughs> From, from Camden Town to, to the, you know, the financial district in, in London? Is that? Amen. <laughs> <Hey>, man. <laughs> That's all I got. Love it. Love, love the story. Great story. It's, it's, it's going on um, 180 years old. And yeah. they're still making good, mediocre film, film adaptations on this story. Everyone knows it. It's a classic. It's a lot of fun.
1: It is. It's great.
0: All right, man. Anything else? No, that's it for me. All right. Well, Merry Christmas.
1: Have a great holiday. You too. Talk to you later. Uh, uh, bye. Bye.